take our text there. Uh, this is, I, I would think, probably uh, every second grade boy's favorite verse. Because the fish vomited Jonah. And I don't know what second grade boys just like to talk about vomit and stuff like that. So I think they probably would love this verse. And uh, uh, they're, they're interested in this. But it says there in verse number 10, and it's interesting because the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto the fish. Isn't that interesting that the Lord would take time to speak to an animal? Uh, obviously in creation. And we believe in creation, that God created the entire world and the universe and everything that exists. And we know that God gave dominance to man over animals. And that uh, directive, in other words, hey, it's not wrong for us to, uh, to raise an animal, to kill the animal, and to eat the animal. That is part of the natural process that God gave us directive over. But yet God uh, is also able to use that creation. It always amazes me. In the book of Romans, it talks about uh, the fact that sin impacted the world and that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth because of sin. In other words, sin also took a toll on the world, on the plants. You think about weeds, you think about um, the, the weeds, how they grow, the thorns, the briars, and how many of you plant those in your yard? Neither do I. How many of them have them in your yard, okay? Uh, they grow automatically, and you have to go out, and you have to pull them things. I'm like, where do these things come from, and why do they keep popping up? And every year, i got to pull them up by the roots. And, uh, man, if I could get flowers to grow like that or grass to grow like that, I'd be happy. Uh, but weeds grow like that. And, and the, the sin really took an effect on the entire world, not just the plants, but also the animals. And, uh, and so everything was affected by sin. But here we have God speaking to the fish and, uh, and giving the fish instruction. It amazes me. And I've often thought about doing a, a small series, maybe someday I will, of messages on animals in the Bible. It really is amazing if you think about how many animals there are in the Bible that God used. The first one that comes to mind, at least my mind and probably most people's mind, is the donkey. Uh, that talked. You know, that prophet was riding that donkey up that hill and he was going contrary to God's will to do what God didn't want him to do. And, and, uh, and God sent an angel to stand there with a flaming fire, uh, with a sword of flaming fire rather. And, and the donkey saw that, that angel standing there and the prophet of God did not. And the donkey veers off the path and the prophet gets mad and says, Hey, what are you doing? He whips the donkey and puts him back in the path. And a uh, little ways down, God puts that angel there again, and the donkey again veers off the path. And uh, again, the prophet of God gets mad, smites the donkey, and says, hey, get back on the path, and gets him back on the path. And the third time, there's a set of walls on either side, and God puts that angel right there. The donkey's got nowhere to go. But he veers to the side out of fear for the angel of the Lord standing there and, and crushes the, uh, the man of God's foot against the wall. Boy, that makes him mad. He, he says, man, that's it. And he smites the donkey again. And finally, the donkey opens his mouth. I love this passage. It says, I've been your donkey for a long time. And I've not failed you any time. And, uh, and, and the man of God says, well, you're right. You haven't. 
What's going on? And God opens the man of God's eyes and he sees that angel of the Lord standing there in the path with his sword and, and he's able to see. And, and God used that donkey uh, as a warning to that prophet of God that was going contrary to the will of God. What an amazing story how God is able to use animals. Uh, what about other animals in the Bible? Uh, there's been many of them. There was a, a lion uh, that it was used to kill a disobedient prophet in 1 Kings chapter 13, if I remember correctly. Uh, how about the donkey that was used when Jesus rode into to Jerusalem? And God said, uh, Jesus told his disciples, uh, go get this donkey because I have need of him. God had need of a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. Uh, how about the time when the fish uh, that Jesus said to the disciples, go and cast in your line and that fish that comes out, open his mouth, there'll be a coin and go down and pay your taxes with that money. Man, I wish all my fishing would work like that. I've, I've looked in their mouths and there's nothing in there. And so he did that. And so I'm just saying that God uses animals in many, many ways throughout Scripture. What about the, the, the she-bears that came, or the she-bear rather, that came out of the wood, woods and, uh, and devoured those that were mocking the prophet of God? And I'm just saying that time and time again, animals show up throughout Scripture. And here we have a great fish. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon dry land. What, how amazing. God would speak to those animals and that they would listen and obey his voice. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't say, man, I wish my children would obey as well as the animals do. And, uh, and how true that is. Um, I haven't quite got my animal to obey me that well, uh, but I'm still working on it. But, uh, but God does speak and those animals listen. And how interesting it is. You think about this, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Think about that for a minute. I didn't find very many commentaries. Matter of fact, almost none of the commentaries that I looked at uh, mentioned anything of the fact that it was dry land. Where do fish live? Water, right? I had a joke in Spanish, but I won't tell it because it doesn't make any sense in English. It's a play on words in Spanish. It's probably the only joke I know in Spanish. But uh, fish live in the water. And so how, how could a fish vomit man on dry land? Uh, I started thinking about that, and I thought, man, that's going to be very difficult for that fish unless he actually makes it up on the dry land. I mean, most of the shores that I know of, uh, they, they come up gradually. And that fish, we're not talking about a little guppy. We're talking about a fish that's large enough for a man to be inside of. And so for that fish to be able to vomit that man on dry land uh, is quite a miraculous feat. Now maybe there are some places where it's like it's a drop-off depth. And so you walk out of the door and you go five foot and boy, it just drops off. And so maybe uh, the case was like that. We really don't know. But whatever the uh, circumstances, it was really quite miraculous. That this fish would come up and be able to vomit uh, Jonah onto dry land. It's quite a miracle and, and if you think about it. And it probably was not easy for that fish or convenient. And sometimes serving the Lord is not convenient but it's what God wants us to do. And sometimes it takes place in difficult circumstances and hard places to reach for us. And God is aware of that. 
It was not an easy task, I imagine, for this fish to vomit Jonah on dry land. But yet it was something that God had this fish do. And you say, preacher, you believe that? It's in there. You read it, and I believe it. Uh, and the Bible is very clear that he vomited uh, that fish upon dry land just as God said for that fish to do. I want you to notice uh, we see this directive that God gave to the fish and he said, hey, vomit Jonah on dry land. We see the directive that God gave to Jonah in verses three or chapter three, verse one and two. He said, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. We have the service of Jonah. That's a second chance. What a great God of mercy that He would give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to serve Him. And how often we fail and how often He says, Listen, I want to use you. How difficult it is to use um, imperfect vessels and sinners like ourselves. When I had, when my children were small, there were there were times when I would do, I would be doing something, and in Peru, I was there was always something to fix. There were, we were never without broken broken things, and uh, just kind of the nature of being there, things broke very easily. Things were cheaply made, and so you were always repairing something. and And I remember I was repairing something, and and I just wanted to get the job done. To be honest with you, and and I, I'm able to repair some things, and so I thought, man, I just want to get this done and get it repaired, and and uh, and 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 get onto the next project that I had to do. And, and so I was working on it, and, and my, my son, it was summertime, my son was out of school and he was bored. And, and it was like the Lord said, hey, go get your son and show, work with him for a little bit. And I thought, and I don't want to do that. Are you kidding me? I can get this done 10 times faster without a 10-year-old over my shoulder uh, playing in the glue and messing this up and messing that up. And, and finally I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go do so I went and got my son. And, and if you've ever worked with little children before, man, you can, you can get a lot more done faster if they're not there. It would just be honest. I mean, that's just the way it is. But there's something to be said with spending time and maybe learning patience on my part to go get my son or go get my children and say, hey, let's do this. Now, when we take these two pipes and we put this stuff, this is glue. And when you stick these things in these ends, it's going to glue it. And you want glue all the way around so that water doesn't leak out. We were probably fixing pipes, I think. And, uh, and, and so I was showing them all of that. And you got to cut them straight and you got to clean them out and all of this stuff. And, and it took me twice as long to get the job done. But I think how often God working with us on the earth and God's like, I could do that so much better. I could do that so much faster. I could do that so much better. But yet God wants to use us and how patient and how merciful God is to use us in the ministry of reaching souls and teaching people. But that is what he has commanded us to do. And I'm glad that we serve a God of great mercy and a God of long suffering and a God who loves us enough to say, hey, I want to use you in the ministry. What a blessing that we have a God that would allow us the opportunity to serve and the opportunity to work and the opportunity to do something 
for His honor and for His glory. We serve a God of second chances. Not only that, but that, uh, a God of, of repentance. You think about this in Jonah chapter 3. We read verse number 2. But it says the exact same thing, pretty much, uh, at least the beginning part, as Jonah chapter 1 in verse number 2. And that is, arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. God has not changed His job for, for Jonah. It's still the same job. It's still the same thing. And so Jonah had to repent from his saying, hey, I'm not going to Nineveh. God didn't say, well, I'll tell you what, since you're not going to Nineveh, why don't you arise and go to some other town. No, God still had the same job for him. The job did not change. Jonah's heart had to change. Jonah had to repent of his stubbornness and saying, well, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. He had to repent and say, you know what? I am going to do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to go to the same place that God called me to the first time around. And so there was a, uh, in the service, there was certainly an element of was Jonah's repentance real? And it was a test that God would say, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, the same place that I told you to go in Jonah 1, 2. Uh, the same thing before you got on that boat, the same thing before the fish swallowed you. It's still the same job. So Jonah had to repent of his stubbornness and his hard-headedness and say, you know what? I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Listen, God is concerned for lost people. God loved those people in Nineveh. That's why God sent Jonah the first time. Listen, the, the Ninevites, uh, you could go on and on about how wicked the city was. It was a wicked city. It was a place of, of just horrific uh, kinds of things. And, and you could equate that to things today and people today. But I'm telling you this, that God absolutely loved those people in Nineveh. He did not like their sin. He did not approve of their actions and what they did. But God was concerned for reaching those people in Nineveh. What a great God we serve that's concerned for people. And he asked Jonah to go to Nineveh the second time. We see the directive to the fish. We see the directive to Jonah as God gives him very specific instructions in what to do and where to go. I want you to notice the dedication of Jonah. Look with me in there in verse number 3 and 4 that we read. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. It takes dedication to do what Jonah did. Uh, Jonah was not close to Nineveh. I was looking at the maps yesterday and trying to determine where the fish would have spit Jonah onto dry ground. And if you look at Nineveh, Nineveh is, there's a sea on this side and there's a sea, and I don't remember the names of them, but there was a sea on this side and a sea on this side, and Nineveh was dead center of both of those seas. I mean, neither one of them was close. And for that fish to get to the other sea, he would have gone, had to go all the way down around Africa and back up uh, because we're talking about over there in Asia and the Mediterranean, that area. And, uh, and it was a long ways. I don't know of another way around. And, uh, and, and so I think it was on the, on the side closer to Israel. It would have been north of where Israel is that I think that fish probably would have spewed uh, Jonah up on dry ground. And after he was spewed up on dry ground, just think about this for a minute. He had been in a fish's belly. For three days. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining his eyes would have been closed for three days. I'm imagining it was dark in there for three days. I mean, 
Uh, I don't know any other way it could have been. And when he was spewed out onto dry ground, uh, imagine that light that would hit his eyes. I mean, when you go bright outside and you walk into a building, it's like, whoa, it's kind of dark in here, you know, especially if it's a bright, sunny day. And for Jonah to go to that complete darkness to all of a sudden, wow, bright, sunny light uh, outside, I could imagine that he would have lay there for a second, uh, maybe kind of coughing and maybe kind of waking up and kind of deciding where am I and what is going on and uh, and just physically trying to get himself back to to where he was. Maybe he said, "Man, do I got all my fingers? Do I got all my toes? Am I, is my uh, is anything broke? I don't know." And and I got to imagine that he was absolutely nasty smelling. I mean, you just have to imagine that. And here he is just covered with fish vomit, whatever that would have been like. And I got to imagine he would have gone back down to the sea and probably washed up a little bit. But then you are looking at a long walk from that sea to where Nineveh was. They didn't have cars. They didn't have buses. He couldn't go down and catch a plane or anything of that nature. And so he had a long trip that he would have had to walk. And it was proving his dedication and saying, you know what, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And he complied with what God wanted him to do. And it took him quite a ways. We don't see that in the text. It just says that he he, uh, arose and went to Nineveh and and started preaching. Uh, But in reality, that, that time that he would have taken him to get there was quite a ways for him to go. Listen, God's will often does not include just sitting, waiting for opportunity. We're like, well, I'm serving the Lord. No, no, the Bible says there in verse number uh, two, or verse number three, so Jonah arose. I can't tell you how many times in the Bible that it tells us, uh, God, matter of fact, in all of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then in the book of Acts as well, it's repeated that Jesus said to His disciples, Go ye therefore into all the world. It's a job that requires getting up and going. And Jonah was in the same position that God said, Hey, you have got to get up and you've got to go. So Jonah, he didn't just sit there on the seashore waiting and saying, Well, I wonder which way Nineveh is or I wonder how I'm going to get there. Jonah arose and he went, the Bible says, uh, and he started going to Nineveh. And we've got to be willing to go where God wants us to do uh, do His will and to be able to talk. Listen, lost people many times are not just flocking our church. We've got to go to where they're at. They're, they're not lining up outside of the door saying, well, I wonder how, how long I have to wait to get in. No, we have got to go to where the lost people are because they're not coming to us. And it's never been that way. Matter of fact, God has always told His disciples, go into all the world. We have got to go to where the lost are and we've got to reach them. And so we see a spirit of dedication as Jonah goes. So many times where we listen to what God says, and, and that's certainly a good thing. We need to hear what God says, but we also need to be willing to do what God says. I've used the illustration many times, and I'll use it again. You know, if you, if you go to the doctors, and, uh, and you have something wrong, and, and they say, well, here is what is wrong with you. We've diagnosed it. We know this is the problem, and here is what you need to do to fix it. And you walk out of the doctor's office, you say, all right, I know what I need to do. 
but you don't do it, it's not going to help anything. Nothing is going to change. You're going to continue in the same state you were that when you went in there. Uh, or if you, uh, or you may get worse. Or if you do what they say to do, uh, then hopefully you have results and, and you get better. Uh, and so often we are accustomed to listening to what God says, but boy, we go off on our way and we tend to forget what God said. And we don't apply it to our lives and we don't make practice oftentimes of what God was telling us to do. And so Jonah was saying, hey, I'm not going to be that guy that just hears what God says and says, well, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. No, Jonah arose, the Bible says, and went unto Nineveh. We see his dedication and his compliance to the Word of God. Then we find not only his spirit of dedication, but we see also his standard of dedication. The Bible says there in verse number three, uh, verse number two rather, arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. He said, uh, the preaching that I bid thee. He said in verse number three, as well. He says, now Nineveh, uh, let's see, verse number three. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So God gave him direction on how to do it, and, and Jonah completed it according to the word of the Lord. I could give you illustration after illustration of something that God wants done, but it was not done according to the way that God had specified it to be done. One example that stands out in my mind, and I just read it here uh, last week or so in my devotions, is when, when David was king of Israel. And the nation of Israel did not have the Ark of, of, of the Covenant there in Israel. It had been elsewhere. And David says, you know what? I want to bring that Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. I want it to be here, and I want it to be right in our, our main city. And so David goes off, and he gets the Ark of the Covenant. And they take that Ark of the Covenant, and David has a brand new cart constructed just for hauling the Ark of the Covenant. Listen, that was all good intention. That was a good thing. I mean, he invested time, he invested energy, he invested thought into to, to bringing this Ark of the Covenant back. And so he lo they loaded up on, the, uh, on this brand new cart and they're bringing it back. And as they're bringing it back, the Bible says that they, well, I don't remember, it hit a pothole, we'll call it that. It wasn't a pothole exactly, I forget what it was. And, and the, the whole cart kind of shifted and the Ark of the Covenant started to slide and the Bible says that Uzzah put up his hand to stay the Ark of the Covenant and God smote him immediately. Now, what was wrong with all of that? Was it wrong that they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back? No, it was right. That was good intention. That was all good. The problem was not with what they were doing. The problem was the way they were doing it was not according to God's Word. If they had gone back and dug through Scripture, God was very clear about how the Ark of the Covenant was to be transported. When they constructed that thing, they put rings on either side of it, on every corner, and they were to slide these poles through those rings, and only the priests were to pick up those poles and to carry the Ark of the Covenant by foot everywhere that it went. 
You say, man, that's not convenient. No, it wasn't convenient. But it was what God had ordained. Oh, it's a lot easier to make a nice brand new cart and fashion it and take that thing and load it up on the cart. Oh, yeah, that was a lot easier. Oh, I'm sure that they traveled a lot faster. But it was not God's way. And it's so important that we follow God's instruction and do things God's way. We can be good intentioned and we can plan on doing things that that we believe are good and serve God. But if we don't do them God's way, it's going to cause us problems every single time. And so there's a great warning and we see the standard of dedication that Jonah was doing things according to the word of the Lord and how important it is that we do things according to the word of the Lord. We see the spirit of dedication. We see the standard of dedication. I want you to notice the sight of dedication. In verse number 3, the Bible says this, And Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Nineveh was a very large city. Matter of fact, the Bible says that at least four times in the book of Jonah. In Jonah 1-2, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. In Jonah 3-2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. In verse 3, it says, Nineveh was an exceeding great city. In Jonah 4-11, it says, Nineveh, that great city. And it was not great as in uh, a city that was prosperous or wealthy, but it, it may have been, we don't know, but it was a city that was very large. The Bible says that it was three days journey, and that's where God had sent Jonah. Jonah initially did not want to go. These were brutal people there in Nineveh. And perhaps they had tortured the Israelites and maybe there was a a national conflict and that's why Jonah did not want to go. But nonetheless, God had called him to go and he gave him a site uh, that he was to go to. Listen, I've heard it said when I was a missionary many times, people would say, man, you're, you're going to South America. Isn't that dangerous down there? So, well, I don't know. But I know this, it's... The safest place to be in the world is in the center of God's will. And if the center of God's will is Peru, South America, then I'd be safer in Peru, South America than I would in Maslin, Ohio, disobeying God. Jonah was safer in in Nineveh than he was on on a boat that would go to Tarshish on a regular basis. It was a merchant ship. He was safer being in Nineveh than he was on that boat. That's why God sent a great storm. And so there is the place that God would have us to serve and we ought to be sure of where God wants us to be and we ought to be uh, serving the Lord according to His will. We have the spirit of dedication that He would uh, dedicate Himself to serving the Lord. The standard, the Word of God that would dictate how we are to serve the Lord. The place or the site. And it was a great city. It was a place that, uh, that really needed the Lord and needed the gospel. And then look with me at the sermon. Of dedication in verse number four. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Nineveh needed repentance. Jonah walked into that city and he said, Hey, God is going to overthrow Nineveh because of its wickedness. It is a vile place. 
And so God sent Jonah there to preach, and he preached the word, as he said in verse number 2, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. In other words, hey, you don't give them your words. I've often said, uh, I've often given my, my testimony in that when I was called to preach, I was 13 years old. And I surrendered to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do. And, and I was nervous. I mean, I, I was scared to death as a 13-year-old boy. I was backward. I was shy. And, and, and if three people that I didn't know were looking at me and asking me my name, man, I forgot my name. I mean, I, I was just scared to death to stand in front of people. And, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to use me. I'm scared to death to stand in front of people. And, and, uh, and so the Lord said, listen, you don't have to worry about it. I've given you everything you need to say. And, and if I were to stand up here this morning and tell you everything that I know, we, we'd be done in three minutes. I mean, that'd be it. I'd be all over. I just, I'm not a, I, I'm not a storyteller. I don't have all those wonderful things and ideas. But, but listen, if you give me the word of God, man, I can proclaim what he's written down for us. And Jonah was not to proclaim himself, not to proclaim his life, but to proclaim the word of God and to say unto Nineveh, hey, 40 days and God's going to destroy this place. Listen, we can take the same thing and you say, well, I don't know what to say to my neighbor. I don't know what to say to my coworker. I don't know how to witness to other people. Listen, you just take the word of God and you talk about what God has said in his word. You say, man, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but I tell you what, I can tell you what God said. I can tell you how God thinks about those things. And the world needs to hear what God thinks of things. There is not enough of God's opinion in this world. And you can tell that by the direction things are going because they are going completely opposite of what God has told us to do. So we'd see Jonah's dedication. We see Jonah's directive that God gave him a certain, certain direction that he was supposed to do and follow God's command. I want you to notice in, in Jonah 3, verses 5 through 10, Jonah's decisions, or rather the decisions of the people in Nineveh. The Bible says there in verse number 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. That is an incredible verse. Somebody once said that the greatest revival or evangelistic outreach in the entire Bible was done by a prophet who did not want to go to a place that was exceedingly wicked, and, and, and then he preached the shortest message recorded in Scripture. And you had the greatest results. Because it wasn't God, it wasn't, it wasn't Jonah, it was God and those people that repented of their sins. You know this is serious because in verse 5 it says the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. The subjects or the people of Nineveh made that decision. This was a serious decision. Anytime that you find, uh, we'll say this jokingly, but it's so true as well, anytime somebody is willing to give up food, pretty serious. When we try to for health reasons, you know, we say, well, I'm not going to eat and this and that. Uh, man, it's hard to give up food. 
But these people were so serious about their repentance that they said, hey, we are proclaiming a fast. And the Bible says from the greatest of the people unto the least of the people, the most wealthy of those people down to the very poorest of the people of Nineveh said, you know what? We are so concerned about God's judgment falling on our city. We are so concerned about God destroying our town that we are going to give up food and fast. That's serious. And we see the subjects made a decision. Look there, it says, they put on sackcloth. Sackcloth is just what it kind of sounds like, cloth that's made for sacks. Now, if you've ever been around a burlap sack, they're not very comfortable. You put that thing on as clothing, I can promise you, it's not going to be very comfortable. But it was made to not be comfortable. It, that's exactly what it was for. It was, it was the idea was that uh, it would be rough. It would be uncomfortable. And the fact that they were giving up food was saying, God, we are more concerned about your judgment falling on our country, on our city, than we are about eating. We are more concerned about your judgment falling on our city and on our place than we are about our own comfort. And therefore, they would don't they would put on that sackcloth and it was symbolic in the Bible of repentance. It was symbolic in the Bible of mourning and it's used over and over and over again saying, hey, our comfort is not more important than what God wants in our life. Wow, what an incredible, serious decision that was made by the people of Nineveh. This was true repentance and these were all signs of their repentance. But listen, it didn't stop at just the people deciding that. Look in verse number 6. The Bible says, For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. The very king of Nineveh, the leader, said, you know what? I too am concerned about God's judgment falling on Nineveh, my city and my country. And he said, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to wear my kingly robes and all my fine clothing that I have. I am also going to put on sackcloth that would be symbolic of the repentance. Could you imagine today if our president and our vice president and our Congress and our senators declared a fast and, and fell on their faces before God Almighty and said, you know what, I'm concerned that the judgment of God would fall on America. Could you imagine what would happen in our country? Man, that'd be powerful. Could you imagine if our mayor in Massillon, fell on her face before God and said, I'm concerned about God's judgment falling on Massillon, Ohio because of our sin and proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth and ashes. Besides the fact that it would look weird, we'd say, wow, God's going to do something. Listen, it, it doesn't start with the president. It doesn't start with the mayor. It starts with us. And in verse 5, the people started this fast. They started this sackcloth. 
they started this movement and they said we are concerned about the uh, about the judgment of God falling. I want you to notice in verse number 10 and I love this you have the subjects the people made their decision the state made their decision and that they proclaimed a nationwide or a citywide uh, fast and 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 concern for God's judgment but look at verse number 10 and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not if Nineveh a wicked city a great and an exceeding large city turned from its wicked way a heathen city they're not they're not Jewish people they're not uh, they, they're a heathen people and and if they turn from their wicked way and God said you know what I'm gonna withhold judgment on Nineveh hey there's still hope for America hey there's still opportunity that God would say I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to bless America can have revival and America can have uh, an opportunity to receive God's blessing uh, once again if America would just simply repent and turn to God listen it starts with us we we can have God's blessing we can have God's goodness right here on our congregation and may that start here and may that spread may that be uh, uh, citywide then maybe it would be statewide then maybe it would be countrywide but I'm just saying when 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 people realize the seriousness of sin and the possibility of the judgment of God they say God we're serious about our repentance we want to follow you, God. We want, we want to come clean. We want our life right. And we want to walk with you. Hey, God takes notice. And God's willing to stay his hand of judgment. He did it for Nineveh. He can do it for us. And praise the Lord that we have opportunity to hear the message of Jonah and see their dedication and see how they, uh, they turned and see that God responded to their turning. What a blessing what a what a privilege we have to read about that as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and